0: Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Uh, If you're just joining us, for a few weeks we have been in a series um, made for this, and we've been looking at the life of David and uh, this moment in time, where it is just this—probably maybe one of the top ten most famous stories of all time, David and Goliath. Uh, we've done a few weeks, and we got uh, this week and one week more uh, in this series. So I want to read a portion of scripture here from First Samuel chapter 17, and we are going to begin in verse 32 to set the scene. David has made his way before the king, so he's talking to Saul, and uh, he's he's saying, "Listen, I I, I can fight." This giant Goliath. So, 17, verse 32. Now, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can win this fight. Thanks for the encouragement. There's no way you can win this fight. This Philistine has, you can't possibly win. You're only a boy, And he has been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Listen, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I will go after it and I will club it and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I will catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Like, do you see the picture in your mind? It's great. Where was that? I have done this both to the lions and to the bears. I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescues me from the claws of the lion and the bear will also rescue me from this Philistine. So here this moment, David standing before the king saying, listen, somebody needs to fight this guy. I will do it. Now, we as a people, as humanity as a whole, like we love this story. We love the story of the underdog. We love the story of the little guy beating the big guy, right? Like we, we, we make movies about it. We write books about it. Even if you're not a believer, like this term, David and Goliath, is just kind of like you know what that means. It means like the little guy is going to win. like And there's just something in us that like we root for the little guy. Like, we want the little guy to win. Like, we don't make movies about... We don't make movies... <laughs> ah, I'm just playing. I will call you out. Never in church. just playing. It was awesome. It was an accident. So, where was that? Oh, we don't make movies about, like, the big guy winning, right? You know, like, it's just like, Oh, like they're the favorite and they won, and that's the end of the movie. No, 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 like it's the little guy. It's Rocky Four, right? It's, it's, dude, this little guy's gonna go against the big Soviet and he's gonna get knocked down, and then the, then the dude's gonna count to nine. He's gonna get up at the last minute and he's just gonna knock him out. Like that's the movies we like, right? That's because here's this thing whether it's a movie or a book or whatever it is, like there's something in us that we identify with the hero. We look at the hero, we look at the underdog, and we say, yeah, yeah, th- that's me. Like, I, I, I feel that, I, I can be that, I know that, I, I can do that, it's in me. Because, like, when we begin to dream, when we get dreams about what could be and should be and what our life is, like, we always dream in scripts of courage. It's always as us being the hero of, like, yeah, but we awaken to the reality of we're not always the hero. As a matter of fact, if we were really honest with ourselves, we awaken to the fact that sometimes if, if we were true, true to, to life, like we have more in common with Saul than David. Like we, we, we find ourselves going out to face the battle and we'll line up on the field, but we've never actually charged the field. We want to... But we haven't. And then, like, but when we lay down to sleep or when we dream about life and what could be, like, man, it's always the script of courage. It's always the underdog coming back from from the very end to to win it, right? But then it doesn't happen. And then so we have to ask ourselves the question, like, why is this? Why is it that life keeps unfolding this way in such a way that man, I can't live and be the person that I know I can be and, and, and I want to not just dream about it, I want to live it. I, w- I want to know what it is to just, to, to feel that, that courage and not, and not just sink to the fear uh, because nobody has ever watched the film read the book, and thought of themselves of like, you know what, one day, one day when I grow up, I'm gonna be just like Judas. Yeah, yeah, that's the dream. One day, I'm gonna have my friends, I'm gonna have my boys, and I'm gonna sell them out at the last minute. Like, th- this is my dream, Like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sell out all of my beliefs and all of my faith for money. I'm going to get my little bag of silver, like it's going to be good, I'm going to sell out Jesus for maybe a little bit bigger house, a little bit nicer car, a little bit this or that, like like, no one ever thinks that, and yet we live in a world where we've experienced it, we've experienced our failures, we've experienced the fact that, man, I, I thought I had more courage than this, like Peter experienced it, Lord, if anybody betrays you, that's them but not me. Like five minutes later, I ain't never seen that brother before. I ain't know. Like, right? And he does it three different times. And, and like it's, it's, it's when in all of us, and we dream in scripts of courage, but man, sometimes we live in scripts of fear. And so we beg the question, God, what is it? You know, I, I want to live inside my gift. I want to live inside my calling. And, and if you were with us for the last few weeks, we discovered a, a few of those things. And we asked a few questions of, well, w- what are you passionate about? What inspires you? But not just what inspires you, but what are you willing to bleed for? Not just what do you get excited about, but what do you put blood, sweat, and tears into? Like there, it's more than just like this passion. It's you've got to do something. And then there's what is the need? What is the injustice that you're trying to make right? Like, what is the thing in society and culture and life, and then which you see, and you're just like, I have to do something. I can't stay on the sidelines. I have to be a part of making this thing right. I can't stay silent anymore. And like David, we stand and say, Is there not a cause? Is this not worth giving our lives for? Is this not worth fighting for? So the passion, the need. And then begs the question well, then what is your talent? What talents? do you possess? What gifts has God instilled in you from the very beginning to do what he's called you to do? Now, talent is a very, uh, it's a, a thing in which, well, let me say it like this, I want to take it from a different perspective this morning. Because if I was just to ask you, hey, what are your talents? What are you good at? You, you would probably make a, a list, and you'd probably have two or three different things on that list, and these were the th- these would be the things that either society or culture or or your mama or somebody said, hey, you're good at that. You are a good fill in the blank, and, and, and so like you've kind of wrapped like, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I could do. This is what uh, I get all A's on the report card for. And so that's how we often look at talent by the skills that we possess. But I think there's more to it, and I want to see it through a little bit a different lens. So to do that, first let's flip back from where we're at in uh, chapter 17 and look at chapter 16. So this is David, and this is David before he kills giants. This is David before he takes the throne. This is David before everybody knows his name. This is just David taking care of sheep in the wilderness. And there's this moment that we're going to read here where the prophet has come to town. Now, Uh, Samuel is like the big guy on campus. Samuel is the guy like, man, when he comes into your home, when he comes into your town, everyone knows it like this, was the man. And so he shows up at David's house and he talks to Jesse his father and says, Listen, I need you to gather all of your sons. And so Jesse gathers his sons one by one and he stacks them up in front of the prophet. And the prophets look and he's like, Which one of these will be king? He he goes to the oldest. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. Till he gets through all of the brothers. He looks at the father and says, Hey, is these, are these all of the sons you have? He says, Whoa, 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 hold on, we we forgot one. Like, have you ever forgotten your kids, like this dude has? And, and he's forgotten one. David, yeah, by the way, he's out in the field, and he's tending the sheep. Now, this is what it says. Same, same last. Are these all the sons you had? They're still the youngest. He's out in the fields. He's watching the sheep. Send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and had beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one Anoint him. So as David stood there amongst his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and he anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then catch this. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Like, do you get this moment? Like this is an absolute highlight of, of David's life. Like when the prophet comes in and he's carrying a jug of oil, like this would be like, this would be Ed McMahon with the big check. Like, yeah, something's getting ready to go down in this house. And David's the one. And so he pours this oil over him. And everyone knows what this means. David is going to be the next king. But the next line is this. Samuel Went home. And you know what happened after that? David went back into the field. David went back into the field. Now, now, like, this, wait, hold on. Don't you realize what's happened? I've been anointed king. Like, he's come, the prophet's come. Like, this is a great day. It's celebration. There's a party, music playing. Like, come on, I'm going to be king. This is great. All right, well, that was fun. See you guys later. And David's back in the field. This is that moment, Like I don't know, some of you, like remember you graduated college and you're like, yes, college graduate, only 500 grand in debt, come on, it's an amazing time. Like, I, and then you go for the job interview and you're like, hey, here's the resume, I, I, I've graduated, they told me I'm smart, you're gonna wanna hire me, I'm available, CEO material right here. And they're like, yep, position open in the mail room. Wait, hold on, you didn't understand. Like, graduate, four, possibly five years. Six for some. Yeah, 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 we got you. Mailroom. Whoa, wait, hold on. Like, anointed king, gonna be king over all this. Yeah, we need some help in the field. We need you to go back to the sheep. Like, have you had these moments of like, have you ever been in like, maybe it was a church service or just, you've had a moment, like it changed your life. Like, I, I, I've, I've actually heard some of the stories from um, NFL football players that, like, like, they work their entire careers, they work their life, like, to win a Super Bowl. And, and there was this one interview, one guy in particularly was like, we got there, we got to the height of success, won the Super Bowl. And then, like, well, what'd you do the next day? Well, everybody's like, oh, we're going to Disney World. No, nah, I had to go mow the grass. You know, like, it's this reality of, like, yeah, life goes on. And, and the truth is, like, we want it all to Happen in a moment, but the truth is, it's a process. It's a process, it's the day in, it's the day out, it's the long obedience in the same direction. There's a quote that says this, day in and day out, it could seem as everything's the same, but one day you'll look back and everything is different. And I don't know about you, but I find that to be so true. The older I get, Man, it seems like, well, this day was just like the last day, and this day was just like the last day, and it seems like, man, nothing ever changes, but one day you look back, and man, everything is different. Everything is different. It is a process. We have to be willing to go through the process. Quite a few years ago, um, we had someone come in that uh, was a drummer, and they, they wanted to, to, to play on the worship team, and hey. Uh, Lucas, mean, I am a, a great drummer. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much the best drummer in all of Brunswick County. Just want you to know that I've played drums for do 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 bands, and I've done all this. Like, you, just, you, you, you want me on your team. And um, like, oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad we, we could use a drummer. Um, here's the application. Well, no, 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 you don't understand, Pastor. Like, I don't need to fill out the application. I'm a good drummer. Here's the application. Here's the process you got to go through. No, no, no. We never saw him again. We have another person in this church that, I don't know if, if y'all have met Phil. He wasn't playing this morning. But Phil is this incredible keyboard player. And Phil, like, if you ever, like, I just got to, if you ever see Phil, you don't, you'll know it's Phil because Phil's like. <laughs> and you're just like, Yes. Like, it's awesome! Like, Alan's working with everybody else to be able to play keys like that. And he's just, I mean, he's just kill- And But he's literally, like, he was a professional musician. Like, that doesn't happen that often in the music world. Like, if you get paid to play music for someone other than your mom, like, you've made it. And this dude, like, made a career out of it. And, like, he he's here, like, you know, like, they retired here for some reason. And, uh... He's here and he told Alan, he's like, hey man, you know, I want to play for the worship team. And Alan's like, here's the application. Here's the process. Oh, okay, cool, thanks. Filled it out. Went in day in and day out, went through the process. See, because Alan knows something that, like, we go through this process for a reason. Because if you can't make it through this, it's only a matter of time before you give up later. And I think God knows the same thing about us. Like, there's a process that he has to take us through. And, and, and if we can't take care of the sheep in, in the wilderness, we'll never be able to take care of all that he wants to entrust to us. See, because if you're, if you're not faithful with the little things, you'll never be faithful with the big things. And, and see, like, we would like to tell ourselves these lies.
1: Hey, you know, like, if I ever
0: win the lottery, then... Like, no, then you'll do exactly what you're doing with it now. I mean, it's just just this principle that's at play, that, man, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much, and if you're not faithful with little, you won't be faithful with much. But we have this idea, like, but God touched me, God spoke, something happened in my life, things have changed, and we expect everything to just flip overnight, and there's a process. Jesus stepped out of heaven into humanity, and if anybody could have bypassed the process, it would have been Jesus. And, And yet he didn't, yet he was born, right, In a manger, and then spent 30 years, 30 years just like growing in wisdom and stature and knowledge, which is just mind blowing. Like the patience that Jesus had, living day in and day out, knowing fully his identity and who he was, and yet was able to, like, all right, Mary, Joseph, let's just build some tables today. I'm just building some tables. Do you want a rocking chair? Building a rocket. I mean, this was Jesus, this thirty years of faithfulness. I, I remember. Um, this, I guess it was a little over ten years now, uh, or no, right at ten years. Ten years ago, uh, we're attending church at Seacoast down in Myrtle Beach. My pastor Tim Holt, and he had called together the church. We were getting ready to leave there to to plant, and. He brought in the, the elders, and, and they prayed for me and my wife, and they blessed us and, uh, you know, gave me the little piece of paper that says, like, Lucas, you're a pastor, right? And uh, I just thought, you know, like, okay, this is cool. This is great. We're going to want to start a church. And, uh, like, all these dreams and all these hopes, like, like this is what's going to look like and everything. And, and you want to know what happened? The next day, I went back to work at the restaurant, and I asked people this question. For the next five years— I asked this question baked potato or fries? (laughs) Baked potato or fries? Yes, baked potato or fries. Day in and day out. Wait, hold on, wait a minute. But I'm the pastor now. Like, I got the certificate. I graduated from Bible school. I did all this. Baked potato or fries? You got to be faithful with what God has given you, even if it's just some baked potato or fries. The long obedience in the same direction. See, David was anointed king. He went back to tending the sheep. He went to delivering food to his brothers. He would actually even end up in the king's court except for not sitting on the king's chair. He would find himself dodging spears, being thrown at him. And this was all of the process that God was doing in David to prepare him for what he had already prepared for him. But David had to go through the process. We have to go through the process in order to make it through. Listen, we all want a testimony, but that means there's a test. There, there's no testimony without the test. Sometimes you've got to learn how to work it until it works. The showing up day in and day out that, God, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just going to work this thing until it works. I know I don't, I don't really feel it right now, but here, I'm going to tell you this right Feelings lie. Feelings lie a lot. Like if we just lived everything about what we feel, like I, we'd all be like watching Netflix right now, sitting on the couch. Like you know you would. Work, eh, all that. No! Like, it, uh, I'm saying it like this. Um, every week, Sunday will come around again. And I know that I will preach another, what we call, the sermon. And so, Monday morning, I'll wake up, we'll go to the office, and we'll start to prepare. And, and I always pray the same prayer. Lord, what is it that you want to speak? What is it that you're wanting to speak to the people? What do you want to do, uh, uh, not just in them, but in me? Um, Lord, help me to, to be obedient to whatever you want to say to do. And, and I'll just start reading, and then there'll be something that I feel like, okay, this is, this is the direction in which the Lord is, is moving, so I'll start working it, I'll start studying, start getting all these things together, and th- that'll be kind of the Monday, and by about Tuesday afternoon, I'm looking at this thing that we call the sermon, and I'm just like, dude, this is horrible, God. Like, this is not what you want to say to the people, because this, this is not any good, and I just like, all right, but if this is what you want to do, I ain't trying to, you know. And so I just keep working it a little bit more. And then somewhere around Tuesday evening, I'm like, all right, this still ain't good, but it's all right. I kind of see where you're going with this, God. And and, and then somewhere around Thursday, it's like, all right, all right, okay. And then by Friday, I'm excited because, like, okay, this is what you're doing, and this is how we can do it. And, And I've learned that, listen, until, like, the feelings get there, like I just have to keep working it. If I was just to give up in the beginning, I'll never get to the good stuff. Like the truth is most things in life, like the good stuff is at the end. Like we live as if all the good stuff is in the beginning. Like if you're in this room and you're retired, I'm here to tell you that the good stuff's at the end. Like your best days are still ahead of you. Like, there is a life in Christ, and there is a life here at the beach that is amazing. Like, it, it's, not, it's not about, oh, I can't do the things I used to. That's a good thing. Like, there's all of these things that God still wants to do in you and through you. And, and like, I remember one time someone told me this, like, you're going to pay for things in life. You're either going to pay for them uh, up front or you're going to pay for them at the end. And, and here's the thing. It's so much better to pay for them up front. So much better to pay for my front. It's so much better to just be obedient to the process. Because God will make sure you're gonna learn this lesson. If not, you're just gonna take more trips around the mountain. And he's very patient. Oh, you didn't learn that one. One more time. One of my things is patience that I just struggle with. And I struggle so much with it, I actually had this moment this week. I don't know, has anybody ever, like, tried to learn patience? It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. It's like, all right, God, this week, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be patient no matter what comes my way. Whew, I'm, I'm built myself up. I'm encouraging myself. Lucas, you're going to do it. And then I got on the phone with ATMC. <laughs> Lord Jesus. And then I got on the phone with Brunswick Electric. Lord Jesus. And I feel like, man, I just bailed again, I think, Lord, I just bailed again. Somebody pushed my button, somebody, mm, you know, and then all of these things. And for the ATMC people, I love y'all. I know y'all are here in the room this morning. appreciate your service. A little lower bill would be nice. But anyway, you, you, you know, <laughs> sometimes, I'm sorry, I had another joke, but I, it's totally inappropriate. Um, the feelings are in the process. It's, it, it's going through it. It's, it's, it's God, you know. I need to learn this now because I don't want to fail in it later. Like, God, it's not comfortable now, but Lord, just please put it in me because this, the life that you're calling me to, I need more patience than what I have now. Lord, Lord the, the life that the, the man, the woman that you're calling me to be in this marriage, I, I need you to do it because I keep trying and I keep failing, but I want to let you know this, God. I will, I will be faithful to the process. And I'll show up day in and day out. And even if it's just some sheep, Lord God, I'll do it. John 16, 21 says this. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into this world. Like, sometimes the feelings are on the back end. Like, have you ever, like, like, women in the room that any of y'all that have actually ever given birth, y'all know, like, agree with this verse 110%. Like, even if you're in here and you're an atheist or, like, there's no way, but, like, you read this verse and you're like, that verse, they know what they're talking about. Like, that childbirth thing and you're in there and you're in that room and you're giving birth to this, like, nine-pound big-headed kid and you like, just get out of me and you're yelling at your husband. You ain't never gonna touch me again. This ain't gonna happen. And then, like, everybody's yelling and his hands is all getting squeezed and he's got carpal tunnel by the end of it. And then, and then, then, the baby's born, and you get this like glow about you, and you're like, "Oh, it's worth it. We should have another one." <laughs> and the man's laying on the floor because he's like, "No, I need a doctor. We ain't having no more these kids." Like, like sometimes it's in the end. Feelings can lie. Calling doesn't always feel like it at first. Catch that calling doesn't always feel like it at first sometimes it could feel lonely it could feel like you're forgotten in the field it could feel like you're dismissed until one day someone comes and pours some oil over your head until one day God does something and speaks something to your heart that you know I was made for more there's something to happen now it doesn't mean that everything's going to change in a moment but everything changes in a moment all of a sudden, David knew like, there's, just, there's something else to this. I'm still, I'm taking care of these sheep, but there's something more to these sheep than just what I'm experiencing. And so David went back to that field. And here's what I found amazing that, and this is a lesson I think that we've all got to learn about the process, is David began to sing these songs to the sheep. He sang songs that only God and only the sheep could hear. Nobody on the back like, dude, that was a great psalm. Hey, that whole walks through the valley of the shadow of death line, amazing, good job, David. Like, none of that. The sheep never applauded. The sheep were never like, hey, appreciate you rescuing me from the lion. Hey, thanks, that bear was gonna get me. Appreciate it, Dave. No, 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 they just went back to eating the grass. And David went out there because something he knew that was deep down within his soul, that all of this, Lord, it's for you. God, it's, it's, it's for you. So he sang songs that no one heard. And you know what else? He fought battles that no one else saw. Like, did you catch what we read here when he's standing before the king and the king's telling him every reason why he can't do it? He says, let me tell you why I can. Let me give you my resume. And he says this, I tended my father's sheep. <laughs> All right, Dave, you're not starting off so good, but hold on. But when a lion came, I grabbed that lion by the jaw and I clubbed it to death. And when a bear came, I grabbed it and I clubbed it and I killed it. Even when they, when they, would, they would have the animal in its mouth, if that animal would turn on me, I'm like, bro, This is amazing. Like, let's be honest. Like, David and Goliath, it's a great story. But there's a a little aspect to the story of like, okay, David, you played it really smart. Like, the slingshot, Goliath was at a distance. Like, that's cool. Like, we might, maybe could have made that shot too. But like, a lion was there and you ran after this mug and grabbed it by the mouth it's the one place on a lion that you don't want to touch, and you are going to, and now you did it one handed because you had a club in the other hand, bro, David, you the man, like I, this is the point in which I would even try to give David a lesson, right, David, this isn't too smart. You don't want to put your hand by the mouth of a lion. This, this is what you want to do, David. You want to stand back, you want to use something like a bow and arrow, bro. You, you, you want to have some distance between you and the animal. You, you want to keep that animal at a distance, and you want to be able to boom, hit them, and move on with your day. You don't want to put your hand in its jaw. But if that was the case, I, I would imagine David would respond back to me and say, but if I did that, if I use your bow and arrow, Lucas, there's a good chance that I would hit the sheep. If I did it that way, I could kill one of the sheep and so that's the reason why I had to go up and I had to get physical with it, I had to grab it by the jaw and I had to club it to death because I had to make sure that I didn't even lose not even one sheep, I couldn't even lose one of them. And I'm like, well David, like, you, 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 there, there's a hundred more sheep, there's like 99 more sheep, like what's one David? Like. We're talking about your life here, bro. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I did it, because it was actually, it was more than just sheep. See, I'll leave the 99 to go after the one, and it's worth it. And see, while you, Lucas, while you might just see a sheep, like this is what my father has entrusted to me. I see, and it wasn't, it wasn't just that Jesus looked down from heaven and into humanity and said, Oh, like, okay, like, let's just snap our fingers and fix the problem. No, he stepped into humanity, took on birth, skin, and flesh, and allowed us to nail him to a tree, allowed us for, to, to hang the Savior on a cross while we were yet sinners. And he's praying this prayer for us while he's dying Forgive them. They know not what they do. And in that moment, it's just this thing of Jesus saying, listen, yeah, I grabbed death and sin and hate and all of these things, and I grabbed it by the jaw, and I clubbed it to death, and I used a cross to do it. I got physical with it. I touched it. I felt it. I stepped out of perfection and stepped into the mess and the muck and the the mire and the clay and the dirtiness and the filthiness. I got dirty with you, and I died for you. He said, "I was faithful to the process, the lamb that was slain before even the foundation of the earth. Faithful to the process. Now, now, that, that David would do this, that David would take hold of the bear, to take hold of the lion. I mean, this. I mean, I don't think we understand how impressive this is." Because, like, there ain't a bunch of lions and bears in our backyard. But I'll tell you what is in our backyard. Snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, listen, I, I am, like, I would consider myself a pretty, I'm not a fearful person. Like, I, I, I will do, I'll do some pretty intense things. I will jump out of an airplane. I will uh, surf 20-foot waves. I will ride in the passenger seat as my wife drives the car. I mean I live on the I live on the wild side. But I ain't messing with those snakes, y'all. They're these little creatures. I like, mm-mm. Uh, uh-uh. And so a few years ago, one day my girls go out into the backyard and they go to play. And it's just a couple minutes later, they come running into the house and they're like, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. There's a snake in the backyard. There's a snake in the backyard. <laughs> oh Lord, I right, stay in the house. I'm like, I gotta kill this snake. And I'm like looking for something that has like a, like a nine foot reach or something. And I can't find nothing. All I found was this little axe. And my handle's only that big on this axe. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta kill the snake. And so the snake has made its way onto the back porch, onto the deck. And he's like slithering around. And um, I go out there and I see the snake and I got my axe and I'm just like chopping at him. And I'm like, I'll get close and I miss him. And, and my wife's in, the, in the, the house, and she's like, crack the door, and she's yelling at me, she's like, you're destroying the deck, you're destroying the deck, and I'm like, I built it, I don't care, and I've got like, chop marks on the deck, and I'm like, and I, I missed like, seriously, like 15 times, missed, I think the snake was gonna have a heart attack before I chopped him, and he's just like, and he was in a corner, but he couldn't go nowhere. And I finally got this dude, and I, and I chopped him, and the body kept moving. So I was like, I'm going to make sure you're dead. And I clubbed that sucker. And then my kids are in the mirror, and they're like, Yeah, daddy. And I'm like, Do do do, do do I'm like, hero music came on. And I was like, This is amazing. That's right. Your daddy is the snake killer. But that little thing was like that big. Yeah, I just, you know. I'd imagine if a lion rolled up in my backyard. And all I had was a club. I'm like, well. uh And yet Jesus said, they're worth it. He stepped out of heaven and died for us. David here giving his resume, and at some point, you know the king has had to change of heart because the king is like, all right, go ahead, go into it. You've been faithful. It says this in John 10, 11. It says, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But a hired hand, when he sees danger coming, he'll just leave. He'll just leave. Now catch this, because this is important when it comes to understanding your gifting and and really understanding your talent. The hired hand is talented. The hired hand has skills. The hired hand can watch the sheep. The hired hand knows exactly what the sheep need, knows how to give the sheep what they need to do, when to drink, when to sleep, all of these things. The hired hand's got skills. The hired hand is talented. What the hired hand doesn't have is ownership. And if you don't own it, when things get tough, you'll leave the sheep. And if you don't own it, when the marriage gets tough, when the job gets tough, when the church doesn't look like the way you think it should look like, when things in your life ain't working out the way they think, when Jesus hasn't performed in a manner in which you think that he should be performing, when God, when it seems like all of these prayers are going unanswered, when the doctor's reports keep coming back negative, see, the hired hand will say, I'm out. See, this is the key to understanding your gift, to understanding your talent. It's not just about what you're good at. It's also, it's also about what you're willing to go through the process for and what you're willing to own. That, hey, listen, if I come to church, Here's the thing about my relationship with God. Even if the pastor doesn't bring it, I could go home and I could encourage myself. I could go home and I could read the scriptures and I can learn and I could get, like, if, even if we come into this building and Alan doesn't bring it, it's okay because I could worship. I could worship no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday morning. I could worship on Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings. My life isn't dependent, and I'm not blaming someone else anymore. I'm taking ownership of it. I'm owning my discipleship. I'm owning my marriage. I'm owning being a parent, and I'm not blaming it on anyone else anymore. I'm not blaming it on the government. I'm not blaming it on my pastor. I'm not blaming it on my mom. I'm not blaming it on Trump. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter who the president is. We'll blame the next guy. Like, listen, we just had this thing. We just got to blame someone out of, some of this excuse. And God's like, no, 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 no. You're not getting... you've got to own it. Yeah. You've got to own it. And you'll never oversee a nation until you oversee the field. You will never play before the kings until you can play just before the king. You've got to own it. You've got to be faithful to the process. I'm going to pick on Wendy for a moment here this morning. Those of y'all that don't know Wendy, Wendy is the uh, owner of Mason Dixon, in Shiloh, a great, great store, and uh, she told me this story this week, and I just thought it was a, a, a great story. She talked about how uh, it was a few years ago, um, they, they at their store they'll go to some of the festivals, and we just had the Oyster Festival at Ocean Isle, and the Festival by the Sea this weekend, and oftentimes so you have all these vendors, and they'll set up their booths and set up the things, and and being in North Carolina, the weather the way it is, you never know what's going to happen the next day. So at the end of the day, most vendors will take and they'll secure all their stuff to make sure nothing gets damaged. And so Wendy and Jeff, they're securing their stuff. They're getting everything right. This is a few years ago. And there's, there's another vendor down the road from them. And uh, just kind of one of those, they, they just, the vendor just doesn't like them for whatever reason and has given them a hard time through the years. And uh, Wendy tries to tell them, hey, you know, there could be a windstorm tomorrow. You might want to secure your stuff, put your tent down on the lower lower pegs. And, yeah, 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 we, we don't need you. Forget about it. And um, so they leave, come back. Next day, uh, Jeff is there, her husband, and says, like, hey, how's the thing? You know, there was a windstorm. Everything was fine. But this one couple that we told them to secure their stuff, yeah, their stuff's everywhere. It, 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 it's, it's everywhere. There's stuff everywhere. Like, and she told me, it's like, there's that first reaction where it's like, We told them. We told them to do it. We told them to secure their stuff. But then the the next thing that she said to Jeff was this, and this is the amazing part. She said, now go help them clean it up. Go help them clean it up. And, And I just thought, like, that right there is the kingdom. That is the gospel lived out very, very practically. Because here's the thing. David was in the field. And David was taking care of sheep that represented the very livelihood and the very economy of the brothers that were forgetting him there. The the very ones that would curse him later to say that he was full of pride. The very ones that like, "Uh, oh yeah, that's right, there is another one. And yet David was risking his very life for these. And Jesus said, wow, we were yet sinners. He didn't wait until like, oh, when they get their act together then. Like, no, no, no. Help them now. Help them now. I'm asking everyone to please stand to their feet. Talent is wonderful. Talent is a key ingredient. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that talent without faithfulness is like a fireworks show. It's a big boom and it's a good show, but it doesn't last very long. See, your talent may open doors for you, but your character will keep you there. And too often we live in a society in which we just pursue the big boom. When the truth is and the reality is, it's a process. It's a long obedience in the same direction. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.